Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Naked It Inside Out. I'm Cynthia Kutera, joined with my partner in crime, Janine Toro. We are an LGBT podcast highlighting people in the community doing some incredible things with their lives, and we're here to provide a source of inspiration for our listeners. So this episode is huge. Here with us today is Jen T. Grace, the self-titled professional lesbian who wears many professional hats from consultant, author, blogger, and let's not forget podcaster, who teaches everything you need to know about doing business and marketing to the LGBT community. She is the creator of the podcast, Gay Business and Marketing Made Easy, teaching straight people to market to the gay community and for gay people to market themselves. Jen, welcome to the show and taking time out of your schedule to meet with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Can you walk us through a little bit about your background and how you got started with your business today? Oh, Lord. That's <laughs> how much time you have, right? I know. So, I started LGBT marketing specifically in 2006, so I'm super excited to be hitting like the 10-year mark, like just around the corner, which is really, I don't know why, but for some reason I feel validation because it's 10 years. <clears throat> so... I started working for an insurance company because I'm in the Hartford, Connecticut area, and it's like a rite of passage that you have to like somehow touch insurance at some point in your career. (laughs) And I was working with a bunch of, I don't know how to phrase it nicely, just a bunch of homophobes. And it was a kind of a corporate environment, but not really. It was like a bigger, small business, like family run. So it was all kinds of personal drama and just stuff that I was not feeling. So I tried to quit. The CEO was like, no, you can't quit because I was running the marketing department. And he's like, what can I do to make you happy and keep you? I don't know. I was like 24 maybe. I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah, I was 24. So I said, well, I want to market to the LGBT community. And he looked at me, not like confused, but kind of like, all right, well, I'll hear you out. So I put together an entire business plan of how our company was going to market to the community. It took me like six months to create the plan. I proposed it to him in early 2007. And he gave me complete carte blanche, like just go with it. Wow. However, as I'm out there pounding the pavement saying, we're so amazing for the LGBT community. You need to do business with us. This is why I'm going back and hearing chatter in the kitchen at lunch about what a dyke I am or calling somebody a fag. I'm like, okay, clearly there's like a discrepancy of like what I'm going and saying publicly and what's actually happening internally. And I could not reconcile that. Like no matter how hard I tried, I'm like, I can't do this. So while that was happening, I started working with the local LGBT Chamber of Commerce. And it started in 2007. I was part of like the original, I wasn't a founder, but I was doing marketing for them in the beginning. And in 2009, we were like, we need to make a change. Like we need to actually pay somebody to run this chamber if we really want to see it grow. Mm-hmm. And I just happened to be there. It was like the right place, the right time. I'm like, you know what? I know it's a nonprofit. I know there's like no money to be had, but I'm willing to take a chance because I believe in it and I hate my job so much. So it was like the natural transition from LGBT marketing to LGBT nonprofit work, but it was business-based because it's a chamber of commerce. So that's kind of like where it all started because I ran that for four years. And then in that, I found talking to members, everybody's like, yeah, we want to market to the community, but they would say the most inappropriate things or just do, say and do these things that just seem so like, why would you do that? And if they weren't coming from any place of like bad or ill intent, they just didn't know any better. So I would be sitting there consulting with them. So we're talking like Fortune 100 companies down to solopreneurs. And I talked to all of them in between, even though my job was to like help their businesses, my marketing background just kind of lended itself naturally. So when I resigned from that, I took my business that I was freelancing in graphic design and web design. I canned all that and I focused specifically on LGBT in about 2012. 
nice. and now here I am today in 2016. And where did the evolution of your podcast come from? That happened, so in 2012, I just had like an epiphany one day. I was talking to just a handful of people and I was still trying to figure out what I was doing with my business. I had started another business. So this was, this was my third one at this point. I started another one with a business partner. It just didn't end well because we thought our diversity was a strength and actually it happened to not be. So I ended up closing that business with him and taking kind of what we were thinking about, which was marketing and communications, everything that I'm doing now, but we were really geared toward corporate companies. We decided that wasn't, we just, he was an older gay man, me being a younger lesbian, we thought that would work. It just, we did not see eye to eye on like anything. And it wasn't even, it wasn't a bad breakup or anything like that, but it just didn't fit and didn't feel right. So that had to have been like 2012, we must have been closing it early, earlier that year. The timeline was a little bit off, but anyway. So I was talking to people and one of my best friends is a nurse practitioner and she, I'm like the authority in all things gay to her. I just know all of it apparently. So the queen of gay. I I am the queen of gay. We've known each other since we're fifteen. So she's like, I have this trans patient. I don't know how to ask this particular question, or the form I have doesn't give you the option to indicate that somebody is not male or somebody is not female. Like Mm -hmm. everything about everything she's doing is all screwed up, and she has no control over it because she's part of the practice. So she's asking me these questions, and I'm like, okay. If she has this question, somebody else has this question, she just does not care about asking me because it's me. So like being best friends, like she doesn't care. So I'm like, okay, if she has this, how many others do? So that's how I started my blog. So the blog, one of the first couple of posts I was writing about were like, you know, how to come out to your doctor and that kind of stuff because I was specifically thinking of her and all the problems that she was having. Mm -hmm. And then it naturally kind of evolved into, this would be a lot easier if I just talked to people and people could be flies on the wall. So I met two business people in the same day, and they're really understated, just your average everyday business owners who are LGBT, who are doing really awesome things, like doing like global type of work that nobody knows about. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I need to have you. I, like, I need to record this conversation. I had no idea what I was doing. I went online, found somebody who knew what they were doing, and just followed his process and started the podcast. And it's kind of evolved since 2012 to where it is now. That's awesome. <laughs> I guess one thing I fit, aside from the podcast, you do many things, right? So you're a writer on the blog, books. So you do many things, and even your background. Like your background was so interesting to me about being a welder to now being this like LGBT marketer. Like you touch many areas on a day to day. I guess like what are you most excited about doing? Like do you like being in the weeds of everything? Do you like say more so speaking at conferences? What's your favorite thing you're most passionate about? I think I love being a business owner because I can do everything and I can touch everything. Like I, so there's an assessment by Sally Hogshead who is brilliant. You should totally look her up. That's the fascination advantage. And it just tells you like how you inter, like your interpersonal communications with people, but how people are perceiving it. So you might think that you're this great communicator, but her assessment actually shows you that maybe you're not, or you're not in certain settings. You should put yourself in different settings. That sounds amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, I love this one. Like she's totally my idol. And I took it forever ago because my business coach had said to, and it come come to find out I'm the maestro, which is, and I'm like, I know, like I get shit done. Like that is my whole thing. Like you tell me you need something done tomorrow. I will find a way to do it. I don't care how it happens, but I will get that shit done. So like, I like the tactical execution of things, but I also work like behind the scenes with a lot of my clients. Like most of the time I'm like nameless and faceless, totally behind the scenes, just helping them run their operations. So it's, 
I guess my business is like beautiful in a way because I can go out and speak at conferences. I can be the thought leader on my podcast. I can write books and people listen and kind of take in what I have to share with them. But at the same time, I'm working with all these LGBT business owners who are amazing, but they don't have like the organizational capacity or they're just not operationally focused. And mm -hmm. to have a successful business, you have to know systems and processes and operations and all those words that most entrepreneurs do not like. <laughs> I love and I'm behind the scenes just chugging the trains along. I and it's that. beautiful because I get that perfect combination doing both things. Does that answer your question? Yes. <laughs> I have a question about kind of going back to like marketing to the gay community. One of your last episodes, in episode 70, you say, if you clarify the importance of marketing to the LGBT community, for example, like when you're looking for a business to come into your home, like if it's a plumber, a cleaner, what you have and what you're looking to see if they're LGBT friendly, like I think that's so important and it's something even like Janine and I look into like when we're traveling for vacations mm -hmm. or like Airbnbs and hotels. So I mean, what, what kind of advice can you give to a business owner like looking to reach that and, and why it is important because if you're not in the LGBT community, it's something that you're not really looking to see like because of course like I don't know if I was straight like there wouldn't be any problem yeah. but you never know yeah. what you're walking into or who is walking into your life mm -hmm. you're not gonna look at a hotel and be like oh are they gonna be nice to me because I'm straight like that wouldn't come across but like head, even traveling you know? to other countries too like you never yeah. know and it's like you have to have um, all your documents with you because you know where something's gonna happen and you're not yeah. gonna see your spouse even though you're legally married like yeah there's a uh, thousands of problems that can arise so what you're referencing is the plumber fiasco. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd like to, that should go down to like my wife and I's like family history, like the plumbing fiasco. Because I'm the one of the household who just does the stupid things. Like she always says, for such a smart person, you do such stupid things. <laughs> and it happens fairly regularly and it's fine. It's just like one of my personality traits. So she decided one day that she's going to dump out every leftover item we have in the, in the fridge in one shot and just throw it in the sink. I was as I was listening to you say, I was dying. I'm like, really? I was like, what? Like, really? Like, I, I would totally do that. Like, I'm not saying, like, there's anything wrong with it, but it just seems so foreign for her to do that. And she just screwed up the plumbing more than you can possibly imagine. It took eight plumbers to come to our house to find the problem. It's crazy. It was a total train wreck. But every time someone came into the house, it was, like, this immediate... Not even fear, but like anxiety over yeah. like, okay, who's going to come in? And of course, we have wedding pictures everywhere because mm -hmm. it's our house, yeah. as we should. But there's like one right when you walk in our front door, our old house, it was like right there on the left. So you couldn't miss it. And every time someone would come in, I'm like, okay, I don't know anything about this person. I am desperate. I need somebody to fix the plumbing. Nothing is working in our house. Like, we have to fix the problem. And I tried looking for LGBT plumbers. I went through my entire network of people saying, like, somebody must know somebody who will voluntarily say that they are LGBT friendly or pro-LGBT or just not even anti-LGBT. Like, mm -hmm, I was yeah. really desperate at that point to have somebody that knew what they were doing. Couldn't find anybody. And it took eight plumbers to finally figure out the problem. And it was because everybody was putting the snake in the wrong direction. Like, it was some stupid reason why nobody could fix the problem. Like, of course. So now, yeah. like, I'm putting competence aside. I'm like, I just need somebody that will come in and I don't have to worry about, like, being judged or having like some kind of problem come from it. Yeah. And when I was telling a group of women that I network with this story, all of them being straight, there's 12 of us in this group, so I'm the token lesbian, they're all like, I never would have thought of that. I yeah. never would have thought that I might have to hide my wedding picture to have somebody come in and do whatever service for a house. I'm like, yeah, it's a real thing and it happens to like everybody. It's just, 
it's one of those things that doesn't necessarily come up in conversation. It just, we take it for kind of like face value. Like, yeah, you know, I have to kind of be anxious if somebody's coming to my house. I don't really know what they're going to do. And it's like, that's not how the straight community lives at all. Yeah. So it's a matter of educating people on things like that to get them to open their eyes of like, oh, wow, like this is, this is a problem. And to the advice to somebody who might have a business, the bar is low. Like I say this all the time, the bar is low. Like you don't have to do a lot to make a huge impact is kind of how I see it. Mm -hmm. So I was looking for a housekeeper recently. And again, I, I ran the LGBT Chamber of Commerce for crying out loud. Like I know hundreds of LGBT businesses, thousands of people in Connecticut. And I could not find a single person like just doing a Google search to help me. I'm like, I just need somebody to clean my house just once even. Like I just need somebody. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm not having somebody who's not going to be accepting at the very least come into my home. So I finally found somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody. And then when she came to my house, I'm like, you have a gold mine of the market. So yeah. and her background happened to be business, which was so Which perfect. I thought was amazing. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, Yeah, I'm like, this is what you need to do. Perfect. These are the organizations you need to know. You need to get a crash person, crash course. Person. Yeah. yeah, I seriously gave her everything. And I'm hoping that she does something with it. Because I'm like, the bar is that low. Like, you just have to be able to say, like, yeah, I'm, I don't care. Yeah. Like, you don't have to say, like, I'm yay LGBT. Like, it just has to be, I don't care. I'm not going to judge you for it. It was interesting when we were talking about this. I was thinking the, the, the UX designer of me, like, why is there a website or like a resource oh, yeah. that they can use that you could say, I need a housekeeper, mm-hmm. I need a plumber, I need whatever it is you need. And you could then all the names like in a listing would come up that are friendly or search by location or whatever there are, it is. There's just not enough people in them. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, so if you're looking for a financial planner, an attorney, an accountant, it's always service bases that service based businesses that are all over the place. So those three, I probably know more of people in those industries than anything else. They're all over the place saying like we're pro LGBT, like we want to market to you, um, insurances, like mortgages, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's like the practical things of like people coming into your home that there's not enough people saying like contractors, like all of it. And I know like a couple of people who are like contractors who are pro LGBT or LGBT friendly or LGBT ally, whatever you want to call it, but there's not enough to serve the demand, in my opinion. It's interesting, yeah. so it's like finding those people in those actual trades. Mm-hmm. Well, even, I mean, we went to look at an apartment and they were, uh, you know, just at the bottom of the flyer, it says like equal housing opportunity, like something small like mm-hmm. that. I was like, oh, okay, that's nice. That's all you need, right? Yeah. 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 But the thing is, so the woman that ended up coming to clean my house, she had on her website something similar to that. It was like equal something or diverse something but I didn't even like when I was researching her after someone gave me her name like I didn't even like register to me like I was going on the personal recommendation Mm -hmm. that some other lesbian family had her come clean their house and there was a non-issue and she was like the sweetest person like oh my god I'm in love with you I need to make sure your business grows because I know so many people who need your service and like it just doesn't exist but she like just has started her business in like June and this was happening like August maybe Yeah. Um, so she's like super new like can't afford the membership fees and certain things yet I'm like just go talk to all these people at the very least and I will refer you to everyone I know and that's how the LGBT community works right so she doesn't have to do a lick of advertising she just knew me as the influencer and now my network goes to her just because I have that experience yeah I mean well speaking of that I mean like current LGBT marketing today like what is one example that comes to the top of your head as a great example of LGBT marketing did you guys see the Wells Fargo ad by any chance 
with the lesbians no, adopting the baby. What I was to say, what's interesting is the first thing that popped in my head is I feel like it's more biased towards male couples, typically. Absolutely. A lot of the advertising, at least in the LGBT community. So that's why when you just said that, I was kind of shocked. I was like, mm-hmm. there's a lesbian advertising? Oh, yeah. yeah, there's yeah. actually now, for a second, I'm like, oh, I don't have any, I have two. <laughs> lesbian based. So um, what I always do, because I'm just a complete dork on the inside, like I really am, I'll go to a conference and I will flip through the book and I will make a tally sheet that shows how many ads are using rainbows, how many ads are saying something that actually says LGBT, how many are using the right imagery, what's focused on men, what's focused on women. Yeah. And then if there's any trans people, which seem to be like a complete missing piece mm-hmm. all across the board. Yeah. So I will go through and I will see that like the vast majority of them won't use imagery, but they'll use rainbows, for example. And like I have these tally sheets from like years of doing this. And I'll save the program books so then I can kind of look back on them. Yeah. And it's always, like you said, favored in the male, like definitely favored toward men. I always say for me, if somebody's marketing to me, Market to me as a woman first is usually the right, like not because I'm LGBT, mm-hmm. like you have to meet me where I am as a woman first and foremost. And then on top of it, the second layer is being a parent. Yeah. Like those are my two marketing means. Like if you need to get my attention, like the LGBT is kind of like a secondary piece, but at the same time, it's the most important piece to know that that company is LGBT friendly before you can even attempt to market to me as a woman or as a parent. Mm-hmm. So kind of like it's this weird, interesting dynamic, but Wells Fargo, I don't know what month it was. It's probably over the summer of 2015. There were there was an ad that they did where it was lesbians adopting a child and the child was deaf so the lesbians had learned sign language. And I don't even know what the words of the ad were to be honest. Like I can see the visual in my head. Mm-hmm. But all it was was like preaching inclusivity. Like they weren't like it was so kind of non it almost seemed like a non-issue it seemed like your average everyday ad except it happened to be two women adopting this child and they're like doing sign language so they're showing kind of inclusivity from like diversity standpoint from a disability standpoint and then the lgbt so i'm like that's a home run in my opinion because it's lgbt it's disability it's like everything kind of wrapped in one Mm -hmm. which is what i think you have to do but then um who was it franklin graham you know lindsey graham and his crazy um, Christian ways decided they were going to pull their money out of Wells Fargo as a result of this ad. Oh, wow. Stupid. Because then they put their money into, I think, like M&T Bank, which is equally as LGBT friendly as Wells Fargo is. I'm like, well, you're just stupid. Like, what are you doing So, yeah, so that one I think was a really good one. And I ended up getting quoted in a bunch of different, like, publications, like, just my take on it because it was so simple, right? It was Mm -hmm. so easy. And yet it caused this huge stir because of him pulling out his millions of dollars or whatever. Um, so there's like good examples like that. But then the other one, have you seen the Chobani ad by any chance with the lesbians? No. Uh, I'm well, really we missing no. <laughs> We're missing all the lesbians. We also have a cable, but yeah, we don't watch <laughs> TV. I know. <laughs> <laughs> We're missing all these uh, lesbian ads. I'm yeah. always complaining. I see them on social media because all we have on our, in our house is like Disney Channel. Like, we, yeah. there's hardly anything else. Um, so, we this need one, to get cable for that reason. Yeah, to see the lesbian ads. Like, look on YouTube for the Chobani one night. Okay. Now I'm going to give it away, but I would encourage listeners to pause, go find the Chobani ad with lesbians. And then ad, come back. And then come back. Because I would love to know what people are thinking before they actually know like my reaction to it. Yeah. So, it's for yogurt and it's. Two lesbians laying in bed. They're on like a cabana on a beach or something. There's some random dude with like a I don't I'm not I don't know nothing about music, but some kind of like instrument that he's strumming out on the beach. Okay. And 
I have no idea what this honestly. Are you ukulele? It might be. <laughs> something with something tiny with strings. Anyway. Yeah. So they're laying in bed and it's supposed to be like this sexual, sensual, like chemistry or whatever. And it's so poorly done. Mm-hmm. That it looks so fake and disingenuine. And then you have the random dude outside. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. And when I was asking, because of course when I see these things, I pull everyone I know. I'm like, what did you think? What do you think? You didn't see it here? Watch it. Like, I'm neurotic about this stuff. Just yeah. get, like, because I know how I react to things, but that does not, like, I'm not a biased. Like, I'm completely, like, everything, I'm looking at it from a marketing standpoint. Like, I can never just look at something as genuine as it is. Like, I need outside input. Usually it's my wife's. Because she's a really hard person to market to, so it actually helps. Why is that? She's just, she's a tough nut to crack. She just really, like, she does not respond emotionally to, like, advertising. So, like, she's a hard sell, which is really fascinating. That's a good balance. (laughs) (laughs) And then one of my best friends is, like, the marketer's dream. Like, I could sell her anything. (laughs) And she'll be listening to this, so hi, Nikki. Um, So, one of the things that... Everyone kept pointing out, they're like, why is there a random guy outside? Is he like a voyeur? Is he yeah. keeping Tom? Like, yeah. thank you. Yeah. So, like, they just did it so, like, over the top. Yeah. It's like you could have just had, like, average lesbians, like, I don't know, doing something that average people Eating do. Eating yogurt for breakfast. Yeah. Right. Right. No, but we're, like, all wrapped up in we'll sheets. Like, like, I can't do this. Like, I'm so just, like, just completely appalled by it. And I'm like, I know that they were trying. So, like, there's that part of me that has to give them at least credit for the effort. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to completely diminish their efforts. But at the same time, do some market research for crying out loud. Like, ask a couple lesbians, like, would this be, would you respond to this? Like, it was totally catered to a male audience mm-hmm. who likes lesbians. It was not catered to lesbians for the specific purpose of buying yogurt. Like, yeah. it was so, yeah, I'd love to check it out. What was interesting about that, too, is I, I always wonder, with all these new, like, LGBT ads and, you know, whether it's on social media, on TV, wherever, if the team working on it, has like an LGBT voice. Like are there LGBT, or, or is there a consultant that does LGBT marketing like you mm-hmm. or whoever helping this or is it just, they're like, we think this is a good idea. Exactly, no, but exactly. I mean, and I think like like you're saying, research, all these things play into it, but it, it'd be interesting whether they're actually knowing behind the scenes if they're actually incorporating mm-hmm. LGBT professionals. You know? Sometimes they are. So employee resource groups in corporate America are really big. So they're for any diverse group. So you have, you know, like your Latina, our Latino employee group, African-American, LGBT. Not all of them have LGBT, but a lot of them do. And a lot of times you will see the marketing department reach out to that group of people to just say, hey, we're doing this. What are your thoughts on it? Not to say that their employees are inherently going to be experts on LGBT because they are, Mm -hmm. but they do provide some basis of like information and in my first book I had put an anonymous I had to like change the identity of the company and I still will but friends of mine work for an insurance company of course because again it's Hartford and their marketing department was going to put out some kind of like top ways for the insurance agents to market to the community but they were talking about like how, how Halloween is like gay people's favorite holiday because you can dress up and drag and this was like in part of like their tips and they happened to show it to the employee resource group and they were like what are you doing do you realize how offensive this would be if you actually sent it out so of course they like pulled it but it, they just have like it wasn't part of their formal process of like oh we did this lgbt thing let's ask our lgbt people who are leading this group oh, if they just happened to like cross paths yeah. I'm like, can you imagine how detrimental that would have been yeah. if they had sent that out to their thousands of agents 
And now you have thousands of like people in offices across the country being like, so I hear you love Halloween. What are you going to be like? What's your drag name? Like, can you imagine like, yeah. how bad that would have been? Yeah. Well, so I'm just like, shaking my head. <laughs> yeah. It's just so sad the assumptions yeah. and the associations people make with LGBT. Yeah. You know, like and something that you said, which is kind of relevant to this on the, your podcast, is that, you know, you market to women differently than men, mm-hmm. right? So why wouldn't you market differently to LGBT or like mm-hmm. a you know a different group or diverse yeah. group of people? Which was interesting to me because it's like I don't know. I feel like sometimes people might think it's like we're the segregated like special group, but it's it's not that. Like I feel like we fight for a lot of things, right? Mm-hmm. Or to get this, it's not like we're running around doing these parades to be like, yes, I'm gay, I'm so happy, like praise me. It's like you do it to like encourage the future. Like, of the LGBT community, because we don't have that. Like, years ago, there was, you know, like, now it's so much, it's a different time and place to be able to actually be out and have mm-hmm. that support, right? So I think it's really interesting when, like, we're thinking about marketing or advertising to, to LGBT that it is a significant difference. Like, there is a reason why it's done, mm-hmm. you know? It's the same way, like, why you would market different to women as you would to men, and mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it's weird because... For some reason, LGBT is just grouped as like this monolithic well, mass, and it's yeah. like that's not the case. Like, yeah. I would not buy, and I always say, I always use deodorant, and I know you know that. Like, Old Spice would not, I don't care about Old Spice. Like, that is not going to, Secret, maybe, Swab, whatever the hell it is. It's just, I'm not going to love Old Spice. Yeah. Not to say mm-hmm. there are not lesbians out there that do not, that do like Old Spice, and I'm sure there are, but like, <laughs> generally speaking, male versus female perspective. So it's like, why would you then think that, you know, all of us should be marketed the same way? But if you break them down into like different target markets, generally speaking, I would say you can probably market to gay parents Mm -hmm. or lesbian parents similarly, Mm -hmm. not identically, but very close to Mm -hmm. versus like just broad based, like, oh, all LGBT people are the same. Like we're far from the same. Even the three of us in this room probably have so many differences, but yet we still fall under one common umbrella, but that does not make us easy to market to in a yeah. lot of ways. Yeah. I wanted to kind of talk to you about the HRC rating for companies. I actually didn't even know that necessarily existed. I don't know. When I was listening. That hurts. <laughs> Two years. <laughs> my heart. Well, I mean, I guess if I, you know, if you think about it, yes, it does exist, but I, yeah. I didn't know. Like, you can actually, like, go and see. So who would you say has the best and who has the worst? Do you know off the top of your head? These are all my personal answers. It yeah. doesn't mean like, of course, and I don't claim to be the expert on all things, but I find it actually fascinating that you weren't really familiar like with it, the fact that it existed. Like it is my Bible. Like I swear by what they say. Mm-hmm. There are people who love the HRC and there are people who very much hate the HRC. I happen to be one that loves them. I think they do good work. I think they're generally speaking, they're, out for the greater good of everybody. They just have done some things in the past that haven't included everybody, which is where people kind of get a little bit caught up in that. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the corporate equality index. Yeah, so, that's what I wasn't familiar yeah, with. Yeah, so if you go to HRC's website and just type in for the corporate equality index, they have a buying guide. And there's an app on your phone that you can get. Oh. And it has the geo-targeting too. So if you are near a Petco or whatever, it'll pop up with their score and say like, and I don't know what Petco's number is right now, but say it was like a 70, it might pop up with like, like if you go over here, it's a hundred instead. So it like gives you that 
that type of data. In terms of like top companies, it's all the banks, all the banks, all the financial services companies, they are just kind of, they've been light years ahead of everybody in hotels or travel industry. So travel and finance, totally ahead of the curve. TD Bank is like at the top, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, M&T Bank, like all of those banks are kind of way up there. And I think that they've noticed that the LGBT community needs to be looked at and spoken to differently for a long time. So they're just kind of ahead of the curve. There's a couple of them that are at the bottom of the ranks that I don't even know if they're even on the HRC, but like Chick-fil-A. Yes. Yeah, I won't even eat there. And that when you said that, I was like, yes! I remember we were we were like in the airport, I think that was like the only food option. I'm like, I'm not buying food from there. Mm-mm. And my coworkers were like, why not? I'm like, what do you mean, why not? And I went on like this tangent. I'm like, did you not read anything? They're like, yeah. yeah, but they took it back. I'm like, and they're like, we're hungry. I can't like, take it back. <laughs> I'm like, you guys can get whatever you want. I'm just going to go get a sandwich over here. Like, I, I couldn't mm-hmm. even be bothered. I won't either. And so on the blog, on the podcast episode that I was talking about that, I included a picture of my son. Like, he and I were walking around the neighborhood cleaning up litter because we lived in a condo recently and just moved this past summer. And everybody, like, people just throw their junk on the ground and it just it drives me crazy. I don't know why. So he's got like the little old people grabber hand. Yeah. And he'll just go walking around the neighborhood and just That's picking up people's trash. And there was Chick-fil-A garbage, but it was inside like this big nest of like trees and I'm like, I am getting it. Like I I am hellbent, I will get in those weeds and I will get that freaking garbage. And it took us like 10 minutes to like climb through because it was like seriously amazing. I have a picture of it because it was like this big gnarly like bushes and prickers. I'm like, it has to go. Like I can't see their logo because it just gives me like such internal hatred because they're just so bad. And they, yeah, they can take it back, but they now have to be proactive. Exactly. And they really have to change their tune in terms of marketing mm-hmm. outwardly. And I can't imagine anybody, like, if they tomorrow said, like, oh, hey, we love the gay community. Come do business with us. I'm Everyone would be skeptical. Everybody yeah. would, like, definitely feel like something's up. And then the other one's Hobby Lobby. I actually yeah. ripped into a friend of mine who was like, oh, I just got this at Hobby Lobby. I'm like, take it back. I would break your neck. She's like, no, no, it's fine. I'm like, you are a woman who has two children, you should care about how anti-women's rights they are, not even the LGBT piece. Exactly. And I like, mm-hmm. and so she's like, all right, I won't go there again. Which is so or bizarre to Because that is Hot their Lobby. main marketing. That's a demographic. No it's, kidding. Yeah. All your little decorative Blows stuff, my your mind. fabrics, yeah. and I'm like, oh, so you don't like women or LGBT. Awesome. Yeah. Like, Perfect. I, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very perplexing. But see how much we know about that? Like, that's the thing. Like. So I do this for a living, so I'm all, I try to stay on top of everything, but like you both know exactly, everything I know you know, so it, it just kind of goes to show that the stuff that's being taught to companies, or at least what I'm trying to teach, is stuff that the average LGBT customer is totally aware of. So you can't screw things up, and when you do, it takes a while to kind of regain that momentum and traction. Yeah. So also, next, I, I, I want to pick your brain about one of your books, it's called But You Don't Look Gay. Hmm. Can you story, tell us? Story of our lives. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit more about it and how you came up with the name? Well, I like to be a sarcastic a-hole most of the time. It's <laughs> just kind of my, my thing. Yeah. And I was, so my books came out of my blog. So I was just writing on whatever struck me that week. So whatever not altercation, but incident I got myself into where somebody would just make that dreaded faux pas and then how I either handled it or how I thought I should have handled it after the fact, so then I would just write about it. So the first book, because I had so many people say, like, but you don't look gay, and I'm sure you both get it too. Like I All the time. Yeah. Everyone's right. your sisters. Yeah. Of course you are, yeah. right? So I'm like, yeah. Yeah, thumbs up. Yeah. Yeah. So 
And it's like a common thing. Like I know a lot of people who fall into like the non-traditional look of what a gay person should look like. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I need to have a little bit of humor in this. But the book, like the first half of it is really just like the things that like, but you don't look at like somebody saying that to you is not saying it to be an ass. Like they're not saying it out of ill intention. They're just not aware of how offensive that statement really is. Yeah. So like what usually will happen is that, you know, once you've gotten to know somebody, then they'll slip it in like, but you don't look gay. And they'll say it like in this bewilderment, like how could she possibly be gay? I didn't know it. She doesn't look it. Yeah. It's not like they're trying to like attack your character. They're not trying to do or say anything wrong. And they genuinely don't think it's wrong. But then think of the person who it's taken them their entire life to come out and how much struggle and angst goes in that. And then for it to be completely diminished by such a simple statement that wasn't meant for that purpose, mm-hmm. like the average person doesn't know that. So that was like one of the big examples I was using in that particular book. And then the second book is called No Wait, You Do Look Gay. <laughs> which is, which my business coach actually said, you know what, your second one should be titled that. And she was saying it joking. I'm like, no, I think, that's <laughs> I think there's something there. So then the second one is all communications-based. So it's completely like, so this, the second half of the first one is around marketing too. So how to put together just a simple marketing plan. Like, again, the bar is really low, so you don't have to do like crazy things to get a lot of business from our community currently. Mm-hmm. You have to be doing it the right way to get any type of traction. So then the second book is really just around communications, which I always call them the seven deadly sins because there's it's a constant thing, like making assumptions, stereotyping people, just really common things that we all know not to do, but the average straight person who's our friend, family member, coworker, they don't know any better. So it, we have to educate them and not be we can't like damn them when they say or do something stupid. We have to like, be like, okay, I understand. I have an idea of what I think you meant, but what you just said and how that came across to me yeah. is totally different. You might want to reframe that. So it's kind of like our job in a way to kind of reposition where they're coming from. And that's really what I've taken upon myself to do on behalf of everybody. Yeah. I mean, and I guess speaking with that, can you talk about maybe a couple other assumptions that you get on the regular, like, you know, like working with like a straight community and the assumptions mm-hmm. that they get like in word phrases. Yeah. Are there uh, any others that you can yeah. so talk about? One of my favorites, and it happened with my mom. One of, there's always something, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like I have more stories than could fill like 70 books. So one day it's Thanksgiving, like a couple of years ago, and it's me her, our two children, and my wife in her living room. Like, we're not in public. We're just sitting in the living room. Mm -hmm. And she leans across the couch to me, and she's like, do you only work with gay people? And she's completely puzzled by my business only working with gay people. But she whispers it. (laughs) I'm like, Mom, we're in your living room. What are you doing? And I like, so I called her out on it, and she was like, completely had no idea how to respond. She's like, I don't know why I just did that. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know either, but yeah. we're crying out loud, we're in the living room and like we're with family. The kids are like playing. It's just the three of us. So it's the fact that she is so, like there's an unconscious bias happening and she's so afraid to say the word gay out loud that her her natural disposition around it is to whisper. Yeah. And it's like, it does not matter. It's not a bad word. Yeah. So she's thinking it's like the devil. And so it's the same thing that happens in business meetings. Mm -hmm. So I work with a lot of service-based businesses. That seems to be, 
it just makes sense because there's a longer, it's not a widget. So it's not like I just show up, I buy this microphone, I leave. It's more of like, I'm selling you auto insurance or selling you a house or whatever it happens to be. So there's a much longer sales cycle. There's a much, there's more meetings, there's more interaction. Subsequently, more ways to step in it and do stupid things. So in terms of, I've had this happen so many times where I'll be sitting with somebody like in a Starbucks where it's loud, you can't hear the person anyway when you're trying to, and they'll whisper something about being LGBT or like, I really want to market to the gay community. It's like, no, you don't. Because if you did, you wouldn't be whispering at me right now. And that's honestly what I'll say back to them. Like, I, I try to keep the humor to yeah. it because it's, it is like a sensitive, like, touchy subject. Yeah. But it's like, it's those things that most people just don't understand. It's like, yeah. do you see how that's coming across? And then when you point it out to them, they're like, oh, well, I don't know why I did that. So now, every time they go to whisper it, they have my voice in their head. They're like, no, oh, no, no, no. Don't and then whisper. they'll, so like, you know, it takes a little bit of time. Yeah. I mean, that was the same kind of with like uh, Jenna and Lauren. They're engaged and, you know, like a coworker will be like, oh, congratulations, you're getting married. And... They'll ask, they say, what does he do? Yeah, what does he do? Or what's his family from? Or even, she'll, they're she'll, like, it was funny too, they were even saying, like, they were talking about, like, what they're doing tonight, and they notice she's engaged. And everything just stops. And they're like, oh my god, you're engaged? And then, they're, they're so like, excited, no, they just be like, well, what does he do? Yeah. And she'll be like, oh, it's she. And then they're like, oh! Like, it, there's like this overcompensation. Yeah. Like, oh, that's so great. I'm so happy. For, you know, like, you know, it almost is like, <laughs> extremely awkward. It's just like, it's like what are they like, everyone like, makes assumptions I'm a person like, too <laughs> and it's like you have to it's, it's funny you said something about always re-educating people mm-hmm. you're always educating people and I feel the same way or it's like you don't think you're trying to correct them but people have so many assumptions mm-hmm. like like it's funny for me because when I this is the first job that I've had that I'm actually out and I came out to my coworkers, and there were all these assumptions with it I've never been with men because I'm gay but that's not true. It's just I didn't know that I was gay until what you know what I mean. Or it's just really interesting. Like all these sort of things, you you take so much strength to say these things, but then you have to constantly like educate these people that you can't make all these. But to keep first of all, they keep coming out over and over and over again, and then all the assumptions that they have with being gay or being lesbian or whatever, you have to like be like, no, that's incorrect, actually, but without being like. I don't know. Like it's exhausting. About it's like emotionally yeah. exhausting. It is. Yeah. And it actually, there's studies that show that it hinders productivity, especially in workplaces mm-hmm. where you're trying to hide who you are, hide your identity, that the more you're doing that, the less you're actually focused on the job that you're there to do. Mm-hmm. It's like if more, more work environments could be more inclusive, we'd have less, less of a problem. Exactly. It's like, because I'm gay, doesn't mean I'm going to do a better or worse job. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I mean, in terms of like just my performance. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only thing about coming out, I completely agree with those. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I mean, there's another uh, one of your podcasts. You talk about like many of the faux pas you come across is that you know, like LGBT is a lifestyle mm-hmm. or a preference. <laughs> yeah, of course, because, because yeah, you know, those are my hot buttons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's again because it's language that people aren't thinking about mm-hmm. and how that affects the person they're talking to. Like, so sexual preference that comes up all the time. And again, people are just substituting preference for what they mean to be saying is orientation. They're actually not implying that they really think it's a preference. They just like, this is the, the word that's been ingrained in their mind mm-hmm. for so long. Mm-hmm. So then when you educate them, they're like, oh, shit, I can't believe I've been saying that this whole it's time. Like Why did somebody tell me? Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. I am telling you. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's just a complete light bulb. I'm like, oh, wow, I can't believe how many people I've offended. I'm like, yeah, it's probably been a lot. <laughs> since you've been marketing yourself for a while now. 
Some people will skim past it and not be as bothered by it. Other people just, they won't. And the thing is, the metrics are hard to track, right? So if you're sitting down with a unsuspecting lesbian couple such as yourselves, and they don't know that you're part of the community, and they say something really stupid, you're just not going to go back to wherever they came from. You're not yeah. going to call them back, whatever it happens to be. You're not going to confront them and be like, you said sexual orientation, you said sexual preference, I'm done. Like, you wouldn't do that. You just won't answer the phone. So you yeah. can't really track the amount of lost sales that are directly related to it, especially if the person didn't know that they were talking to LGBT people to begin with mm -hmm. and know that that was the reason why they didn't get the phone call back. They just chalk it up as another, you know, loss to them. Well, our real estate agent who I introduced Janine as my girlfriend, mm -hmm. when I'm on the phone with him the following day and I'm talking about other places I want to see for us in like a big kitchen because we cook and like an extra bedroom for like children he's like oh for you and your boyfriend i'm like i can't even i'm like done did you done. not like we just yeah. like met us like a day ago but i think part of the problem too is for some reason society in general when you say or... girlfriend they just seem to friend oh that's mm -hmm. another thing too yeah yeah that's a good one. <laughs> same thing with partner so yeah. like if straight people call like i have a, a colleague of mine who calls her husband her partner she does it all the time. And she does it to make a point because she's in the diversity space. Yeah. But yet, most of the time, people think she's a lesbian, even though she's married to a man. But she's doing it to just continually, like, re-educate people. Mm -hmm. But it's the... Or when... Especially in business communities, when you say partner, people are just thinking you're business partner. Yeah. Exactly. I personally don't like the word partner. It's just my own personal preference. There are plenty of people who like it. Mm -hmm. But me, it's like, just say spouse. Like, if you're kind of caught and don't know what to do, just say spouse or significant other is another one I don't That's, like, but it does the job. Yeah. But, like, if you see a wedding ring, like, don't assume that there's a man on the other side of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. now, did you see my story about the fisherman in your travels on my site? No, not yeah. yet. Yeah, so that's a, another doozy. So I'm getting my hair cut. This was probably, like, two or three years ago at this point. And I was in a pinch, and I had to book an appointment at some salon I've never been to. And it's in wherever fishing season starts, which I don't know when that actually is. In April, maybe? I don't fish. I have no idea. <laughs> exactly. We'll say April. We'll go with it. It's spring. Sometime in spring. So I'm there, and I start talking to this woman. I go, and it's another one of those scenarios like the plumber situation. So now somebody's cutting your hair. So they clearly can butcher your hair if they so chose. Like, it would be good business practice, but they could do it, right? Like, technically speaking. And we're talking, she asked me something like if my kids went to the school, the, the town we lived in, and I said yes, I don't even know how kids came up, she might have asked something, I don't know. Natural conversations, because she's a stylist, of course you're going to be blabbing about whatever. Yes. And out of nowhere, she says, oh, is your husband a fisherman? And I was so confused. <laughs> yeah, like, where is that like, like, from? What? Like, <clears throat> so the look of complete, like, I was clueless. I'm like, What? Husband, and she's what? Like, Is your husband a fisherman? Fisher, fishing season started on Saturday. I'm like, oh. So I breeze past the fact that she's alluded that I have a husband, and yeah. I'm so fixated on the fisherman part because I'm so confused. And I'm like, no. I'm like, I don't know anything about. So then we start talking about fishing season. But what happened is that I missed the boat mm -hmm. to out myself. Like, I just, because I was so genuinely puzzled by yeah. the question. So. And it's like, and so she lost business because I didn't go back. Because, yeah. so then I'm, and then I feel so bad because, like, to me, it's like the invisible threshold. Like, you have 
the opportunity to come out once you miss it, you're screwed. Because anytime you come out after you've already passed the threshold, it just becomes awkward. And people are like, why didn't you tell me sooner? <laughs> it could be like a day later. And they're like, well, you could have told me. Yeah. And it's like, no, like it has to be like the timing, you know, it has to be so right. Yeah. So the fact that I like just completely skimmed past the husband part and I was so confused about the mission <laughs> part that I just answered it. And then I'm like, shh, like I, I lost my opportunity to out myself and then I felt bad and I just didn't go back. So she has no idea that happened, right? So she has no clue. And it's not necessarily something she meant to do, it just kind of happened. So lost business again, just because of making an assumption that I was married to a man. Yeah. So there's very easy ways. And again, going back to my earlier um, example, like I didn't tell her like, oh, hey, you've offended me, I'm not coming back, I just didn't go back. And she has no clue, she has none the wiser, right? Yeah. So it's like small things like that. Like think of how much business people are losing on small incidents like that. Absolutely. There's a lot, a lot of lost business. So when do you, you know, like you're running around, you're doing, you have all these hats. <laughs> yeah, you have a lot of hats plus a mom too. Yeah. I, well, yeah, you have all these professional, yeah. professional hats and then yeah. you have all these like personal hats yeah. too. Yeah. When you find time for rejuvenation and what do you do with this time or do you get that? <laughs> yeah. I run. Okay. It's, to me, it's to run to burn off my crazy is mm -hmm. what, um, there's like a lot of running shirts that say that. Like I run to burn off the crazy. Like, like it's that. totally the case. Yeah. <laughs> and I do long distance because like I need, so I've run three half marathons at this point. Wow. I'm training for a full marathon now. Oh, awesome. Just because it's the only time I can get away. And a lot of times like most people are like, oh, I just run to like listen to like the outdoors or whatever. I'm like, I'm listening to podcasts. I'm educating myself. Like this is how <laughs> I run. So it's not even so, like. So while you're rejuvenating, you're yeah. still learning. You're saying, yeah. I'm you sound just like me. <laughs> I'm educating myself while I'm rejuvenating. And like yeah. it's the only thing that works for me because like it's the time that the kids can't follow me because they can't keep up. My wife just has no desire to follow me. Like I can just run out of the house and be on my merry way. So it's like the only, like it's my way of relaxing. And then okay, once, a, once a year we go camping and we unplug and our agreement together between my wife and I is that we lock our cell phones in the glove box and neither of us are allowed to touch them. Oh, yes, it's more so of a problem for me than her. Yeah. She's a special ed teacher, so she, when she's out, she's like, I'm out. Like I don't need to be concerned about what's happening. Meanwhile, I'm trying to put out fires while we're on vacation. It's like, I just- Instead of the it. actual fire while you're camping. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, mm -hmm. so, see, like, so did you feel any different, like, after the frustration? It just feels like, 
a weight's lifted. Like you just kind of come back completely refreshed. Yeah. And that's like a really kind of, I don't know, like a freeing feeling. It's the same thing with like running. Like I'll run in the middle of the day. So I do not, like I, that's part of like my business day. Like I factor in running while like my work day. So most people are like, oh, I'll get up at 5 a.m. Oh, no, no. I'm not getting up at 5 a.m. And I'm not doing it at 8 o'clock at night. Like I will do it at noon. Yeah. And I usually will work on something that's like really mentally tasking like in the earlier part of my day. Mm-hmm. And then once I like either hit a roadblock or feel like I've hit whatever it is, then I'll just go run. Then I'll come back and do like the crappy kind of like just going through emails and stuff that's not as yeah like lighter yeah yeah so the hard work some kind of like break and then the easier work and it just seems to work for me and even though I have people be like how do you take like an hour or an hour and a half out of your day I'm like it's like part of just my routine and it works and then I'm up it's like someone taking a lunch or it's like someone leaving earlier or you know what I mean yeah our time is all the same we all get 24 hours in a day I still manage to get it all done yeah yeah Yeah. So besides running, do you have any other interests or hobbies? Or is there any listening to podcasts? I guess more so, I guess not really a hobby or interest. I guess kind of hobby or interest. But is there any like go to places where you go to get your information? Like when you're inspiration. Yeah. I like my inspiration comes from being outside. Like I am so reliant on the weather. Like I feel like I'm my own personal weather vane. Like I can tell like when storms like I'm so in tune with the outside. So like this time like the time of year where it's just like darker and more miserable. Like so I'll just get up earlier to like catch the hour of sunlight earlier in the morning instead of like later. That's like where inspiration to me comes from. But like my sources of information are always usually podcasts. Like I listen to books. I don't like reading them. Mm-hmm. And every time I buy a book to read, I end up regretting it. Like I have two sitting on my end table at home. <laughs> I'm like, I have to get through them. Yeah. But they're big and they're daunting. And I have like eight magazine subscriptions past the weekend as that we're recording, I've been on like a mission. I'm like, I have 18 unread magazines. Like I have to get through them. Wow. And it's Entrepreneur Inc. And then like running times and like women's running. So it's like completely exactly what I'm already doing. So I'm like, but they're stressing me out knowing there's 18 of them the, sitting on the table. Because it's like a, vi- a visualization. Like, like, yes. If you have them in your phone and can listen. Exactly. So you're like all digital. You, yeah. you don't want to see physical. I like the tactile feel of having like a book in my hand and like smelling a book and like reading it, but I don't, I don't like the task of reading it. Yeah. I'd rather be in the car listening. <laughs> yeah, to it. no, it makes sense. No, it really doesn't. It actually makes a lot of sense. And podcasts are great. Like, there's so much good information out there from other people. It's like, why wouldn't you want to? Like, why not shorten your learning curve and just listen to somebody else who's already gone through the hell and back? Yeah. Then you can kind of avoid their mistakes. Is how I see it. Yeah, that's great. So. With, with everything that you're doing, again, your many hats, all these things that we keep saying, where do you see sort of your career growing in, like, say, the next five to ten years and, like, your influence on the LGBT community? That's such a tough question. I have these goals that are just so behemoth and scary to most around me. I know by the time I'm 40, which is still a little while away, that I want a $12 million company. And I want to use that money to reinvest in other companies. Like to me, I want to be like an angel investor or some kind of venture capitalist. I don't know why. And philanthropic. So kind of like equal parts doing both. Mm -hmm. Because I see so many businesses that have these great ideas, but they don't have the resources to get off the ground. And I work with a lot of companies like that. And of course, this would all be under the LGBT umbrella. Because as LGBT people, 
where kind of get the disenfranchised piece already kind of there, especially as women, like there's always like, there's some kind of bias happening. So to me, the more money I can make, the more money I can give back. And that's kind of how I see everything. So every dollar that comes in on my side, I try to find ways that I can put that out. And right now it's just by, with my time still. So I'll like mentor younger businesses that have no idea what they're doing. And I, like I've been in business now since 2008 officially. So it's been long enough to hit a lot of different problems along the way. So if I can sit with that new business who has like this great idea and I can be, I can really kind of hit them with reality, which is fun, but at the same time, it's kind of like a big responsibility because I'll get emails from people all over the place and they'll be like, hmm, I have this business idea. I don't know if it's gonna work. Can you give me a few minutes of your time? Or like I'll get people that are in colleges all the time saying like, hey, I'm working on this project. Can you give me 10 minutes to give me your thoughts on whatever it is? And as much as I possibly can, I always say yes to those things because I know that it's going to impact them some other way. So that's kind of like my approach to pretty much everything is just how can I educate more people? So. I don't really know what 10 years from now will look like. Five years from now, like I want my business to be in, you know, multi-millions because, so I can have the time and the opportunity to give back, to yeah. help more LGBT youth. Kind of like we were talking about before we started recording mm-hmm. of how can I impact more people? Mm-hmm. And I have a global impact now, which is so crazy to me when I think That's about right. it. Because yeah. I started in little Connecticut, just kind of doing my thing and that spiraled out throughout the US and finally I had to buy a map which is now behind my desk that I put little stars on every time I have a different country reach out to me because it's so crazy to me. I'm like, how did somebody, like in Brazil, like why Mm -hmm. are they following, like what am I doing? That's what, when we look at Google analytics, it's fairly, it's really interesting like who actually is listening and like mm-hmm. where you are reaching out to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I know in the US, like my podcast, for example, it's Connecticut and California that are like completely saturated. And New York, it's like it's a third to those two. Yeah. But like on my mailing list, I just recently sent out an email to everybody saying, hey, I just want to send you something if you give me your physical mailing address. And I have people from Japan, a couple in England, a couple in Canada, someone in Brazil. There's another country that I'm like, I don't even know where this country is. Like it's yeah. so. <laughs> I can't even think of the name of it. It was somewhere in Europe. Never heard of the country before. I had to look on the map to find it. I'm like, wow, that's incredible. This is so (laughs) fun. So then I'm like going to the post office thinking, dear God, it's going to cost me an arm and a leg to send this out to all these people. And it was super cheap. And I'm like, you know, it's worth it. Like for them to be in that foreign country, foreign to me anyway, and have no source of information for LGBT but me, that's like a big responsibility at the same time. It's a little bit scary. But it's kind no of cool. it's not what I was expecting at all, to be honest. Yeah. Well, this segues into the next question that I have. I guess we can also probably end on this question unless you have more. But with all these things that you're doing, what would you say any failures and what you've learned from them? You know, and obviously there's a lot of successes, like you were just saying, which, we, you know, you usually hear that side of everything. Mm-hmm. So maybe is there one sort of risk or, some, you know, a failure or something that maybe you can touch on that? you've learned something from. Mm-hmm. I feel like everything is failure. Like, so everything you do, you have to fail like a hundred times before you see the success. And like you said, that everyone just sees like the successful side. Like I even look at my business and I don't see it as successful still. Like I see- Of course you don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to be your uh, self-critic, I guess. Yeah. But it's like, I think it's like a blessing and a curse to be so motivated. Like I'm so, I, somebody just said to me, one of my clients said it's unbridled ambition is how he phrased it one day to me. And I'm like, oh, I guess that's kind of accurate. I feel like 
For every success that someone sees on the outside, there's at least 10 legitimate, hard, hurtful failures that someone's gone through to get to that one place. So like if you just kind of look at it as like a ladder. So there are so many things that I've screwed up. There's so many, like even for example, my podcast feed is currently, as we're recording anyway, broken. Hopefully it will be because you were listening to one episode. I'm like, oh yeah, I have a new one since the, the latest because um, I broke it. I don't know how, don't know. But RSS like, feeds, little the, hot mess. Always. Sometimes mess. it takes, to show up on iTunes, sometimes it takes like a week. It's, it's like, crazy. The whole, that that's a whole other thing that needs yeah. reinventing. Yeah. But anyway, sorry. <laughs> <continue>. <laughs> no, like, so this is like the plight of the business owner, right? So you have all of these things to do. You have to balance the cash flow for crying out loud is like my biggest thing that just keeps me stressed out. And like everyone's like, oh, what keeps you up at night? Cash flow, that's what keeps me up at night. Like, yeah. because you never know when money is coming in, but money always has to go out, like even though you don't know when it's coming in. So it's things like that, that it's a matter of like seeing every opportunity, everything that you screwed up royally, you learn from. Like to me, like it's a crash course and like, I had a business, like this is probably my biggest screw up. I can't even say a screw up, because to me, like it was, a, it was a failure, but I learned so much from it, is that yeah. with the business partner that I was talking about before, and we formed, I want to say, we started the idea in like 2010 maybe, officially formed in 2011, somehow closed, I think in 2012, I don't even know to be honest. Like I have all the like closing papers when we, but I don't, like to me, it's all just kind of like a distant past. It's like one lumped memory. But the things that we did wrong and the, the stuff that we spent our time on and the ways that we wasted our time seems so clear to me now. But I wonder like if I would be having those same problems now if I hadn't already learned them. Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of like everything that you mess up. So even if it's something as simple as like you screwed up your RSS feed, like how many times have I knocked my own website offline? Can't even count. Like, <laughs> it happens, right? So you're always like tinkering with things. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I could be mad at myself that I just wiped out my website, which has happened at least like a dozen times. And I call my designer and I'm like, I did it again. Like, I just revert it back to how it was like maybe an hour ago. Yeah. And I have people now that I pay to do these things, but that doesn't make me like, just because I'm paying someone to do it doesn't mean I don't want to be involved still. Yeah. So I'm still going in there and like doing my own social media sometimes when I'm not happy how it looks or doing my own artwork for certain things because I can pay people, but at the same time, like that's why I'm in business. Like I want to be able to still do these things, mm -hmm. but it's a hard balance to figure out like how you balance paying clients versus like having the business like running and functioning like that's such a an interesting challenge but i feel like the only way you learn is by walking into walls and screwing things up on a regular basis and you're like oh all right like now i know not to do that or yeah. now i know um to project things better now i know that if i want my budget to actually be sustainable in the coming year then i should really over you know cushion it by 10 percent in all of the categories to give me that leeway so it's stuff like that that unless you did something specifically to draw attention to the fact that you didn't do it right the first time you're not going to learn from it so to me like everything everything kind of stems from some kind of failure even like marketing efforts like i think of how my mailing list was when i started versus how my mailing list is now it's like duh i was so like self-centered like i was so focused on like why you want to listen to me instead of what's the value to you the listener Right, so there's like a complete difference in how you would message that. So it's taken a long time, and I think there's a lot of a lot of failures that have come out of it. But I don't actually look at them as failures. To me, it's just kind of like just one more step in the process or the evolution of the business. Yeah, Absolutely, like a learning experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
Yeah, and if you look at them as failures, I feel like you're going to have a different mindset that's not going to actually get you to the growth that you're looking for. If you're always like ho-hum, like, oh, I screwed this up. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's the process. <laughs> like, get over it. Like, <laughs> like, screw it up and move on. Yeah. I do have one closing question. Where do you see the LGBT community in five, ten years? Like, where do you see it evolving into? You know. Or hopes to? This stumps me because I feel like there's so much progress, but yet then there's no progress. Mm -hmm. So there are things that just get my blood boiling that happen. I'm like, how does that happen in, how are we seeing this happen in our lifetime? So Mm -hmm. if we look back a few months ago where there was the case in Utah, I don't know if you guys heard when that happened with the judge who took the, um, the two lesbians, the, their parental rights for a foster child away. Because they were lesbians in Utah? I did not hear that. Yes. So that happened. And social media outrage occurs. The judge goes back on his order. I don't know why. And I'm sure now if I look back, I could probably find out the the reasons why he went back on what he had originally said. But it's like, we're talking about Utah. 2015. Mm -hmm. How the hell does this happen where a judge has the decision to say, no, you're an unfit parent because you're a lesbian? Mm -hmm. Like, that is not okay. So even though we have marriage equality going back to June 2015, that means nothing. Like, to me, it means nothing. And I almost get annoyed in a way that if we look at the workplace issues or housing issues, that those weren't tackled first. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at all LGBT people across the board, like, we all work somewhere or are working for ourselves and have a responsibility to our workers, or we're all living somewhere, Mm -hmm. especially in apartments when it comes to equal housing, Mm -hmm. why wasn't that tackled first? Like Mm -hmm. the Employment Non-Discrimination Act, for example. Mm -hmm. Why why were we so hell-bent focused on marriage first? Like to me, it seems kind of juxtaposed. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't, I have hope that we'll get better, but at the same time, I feel like we're still kind of a long way away. Like to me, my end goal for my business would be, if my business did not need to exist, that would be a very happy day for me. I don't think it's going to happen. I actually think that it's probably not going to be in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably maybe my children's generation mm-hmm. might see that. But I think if you look at other historically disenfranchised groups and see, like, even just what's happening in America right now with the black community, like, let's just, like, light years ahead of the LGBT movement, but yet we still have, like, this horrible epidemic in our country. So. I don't know, I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but I feel like we have to be realistic and I think we still have a lot of fight left. So until there's like employment, Mm non-discrimination, that I think is the next logical step that the advocacy movement should be focused on and most of them are, I think. I think once that happens, then maybe we'll have a different landscape. Because right now corporations are kind of leading the charge where they're already proactively doing that. But there's still so many states, and I hate even saying this phrase because it's so overused, but like you can get married on Saturday and fired on Monday. Like it's still so common in our country. I think it's 29 states you can still get fired in. So 29 out of 50, like let's look at the numbers here. Like that's insane to me. Like we need to really be focused on that. So that's kind of like my angle is that the more people I can educate from an ally perspective, and from an LGBT perspective, like you have, you have a voice, you have a say, you as one single person can make a difference and can make an impact. So how can we leverage your voice and amplify it so that way everybody kind of benefits from it? I love that. I think that's a great closing statement yeah. too. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for your time. Yes, thank you. Really appreciate it. Yeah. You know, you're a busy woman. So. <laughs>
We appreciate it. Our listeners appreciate it greatly. My pleasure. Could you give us a little information of where we can find you online? Sure. I, for the most part, am Jen with two N's, tgrace.com. So you can get there, or if it's on Twitter, it's Jen T. Grace, Facebook, Jen T. Grace, LinkedIn. It's all Jen T. Grace. And you got to listen to her podcast, It Rocks. I'm still yeah. working my way through it. Oh, it's going to take <laughs> <It's> a while. <laughs> yeah. It gives me something to look forward to. Good. So. I'm, I'm happy. And... As always, for Naked and Inside Out, you can email us any comments, concerns, questions at hello at Naked and Inside Out. You can also find us on dot com. Dot com. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and all social media aspects, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I don't think we have a LinkedIn yet, but no possibly, LinkedIn. possibly in the future. future. <laughs> So that's it. And then if you're listening on iTunes, it would be great if you guys could go in, uh, give us a little rating and the ratings and reviews. Even if you just start, that'd be great. Yeah. Thanks for listening. And until next time. Thanks, everyone. Thanks.